Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In today's episode, my guest talks about how we must seriously revisit how sales are rewarded to drive long-term customer relationships and how sales and marketing is still not integrated enough. You're going to learn a lot, so listen up to this episode. My next guest is a digital sales transformation expert and is often described as the bridge between application, technology, and the sales team. With the length of sales stack in the thousands of applications, he is in demand. So welcome to Scale Your Sales Podcast, Alexander Lowe. Welcome to Scale Your Sales Podcast, Alexander Lowe. Hello, Janice. Lovely to be here. <laughs> it's great to be here. I mean, it's, I think it may have been, is it three years ago that we spoke on, on that stage in Kent? In Kent, yeah. Area. <laughs> that was a, a long time ago and so much has, has happened. So I'm really glad to have you on and, um, you know, kind of like see what you've been up to, because it's always interesting. Anyone that, that knows you, they just need to follow you on, on, on LinkedIn. You're a massive advocate, but, you know, you've given so much value on transformation and social selling. So let's get in, into that. What do you think is the key thing that keeps coming up when you're going in and you're talking to sales teams and um, professional services? What do you think the one thing that people are not getting about transformation, digital transformation, social selling? What do you think is the piece, the key piece that people are missing? It's the people bit. This is yeah. as much a change in mindset as it is process, as it is technology. But fundamentally, if you're not shifting the way that you think or think or at least are prepared to open your mind to there's potentially uh, different ways of now, now selling. And let's be clear, this isn't a anti-cold calling, anti-email, anti-this, because that's, you know, I'm not going to swear, we're allowed to swear, but it's all, it's all BS, that conversation, I'm afraid. It's just understanding that there are different ways to do different things to generate pipeline opportunity, upsell, cross-sell, um, and everything that goes end-to-end in, the, in that sales piece. It, it, it starts with that shift in thinking and openness, which then leads on to everything else. If you can't do that, then no matter what you're going to do, sales, marketing transformation, finance transformation, any type of transformation is going to fail. And everybody knows that. And everybody knows that they know that, but yet people are just not very good at accepting that. People hate change, right? <laughs> yeah, they do. And it's interesting because you're known for really mastering technology and, and helping other people to really understand how to roll it out and how to, how to transform their processes with it. But it's so interesting that you said it's the people piece that makes mm -hmm. the difference. Yep, it, it is. The, the technology is merely the... Um, 
enabler. Uh, and you know, for example, I'm running a poll at the moment around why does CRM, what's the biggest challenge around CRM systems, and the biggest one that's coming out is adoption. And adoption is is a people piece because if it's not, if there's no what's in it for me, and why should I do something differently when the way that I'm doing it is working perfectly fine? Thank you very much. Then no one's ever going to do change the way that they, uh, they they do things. And so it's it's got to start with the the why the, the why are we doing this? Um, it can't feel like management coming down from a we want to do this because we want to you know run more reporting, run more KPIs, and all, all that kind of stuff. Which don't get me wrong, you you need that within um, your sales processes. But it's the it's the why in my view. Am I having to do this and how is it going to fundamentally benefit me, the seller, no matter what you're selling, to do what I need to do, which is hit my numbers and make my commission check, which is that's a that's a whole different conversation as well in terms of uh, in terms of reward, which you may or may not get on to. I do want to get onto that. But first of all, you you um, talked about um, CRM. And I remember I spoke to the wonderful uh, John Ferrara, who's the um, mm-hmm. founder of Nimble. Yeah. And um, he gave us uh, on that podcast that people should go back and listen to that. A, a, um, a run through of CRMs, the history of CRMs, and he would know about it being at the very beginning and how it's, you know, many of the CRM systems, it's a, it's a great recording device and, you know, mm-hmm. that's built for managers. It hasn't really adapted that much over the years. And so there is this real resistance by salespeople that they don't get what's in it for them because there isn't much in it for them. It is for the managers. And that's where a lot of CRM systems have been designed. So, you know, knowing that you know about technology processes adoption, do you not think that much of the CRMs, the problem is in the way the systems were designed and actually built, not necessarily the salespeople and their, their resistance? No. <laughs> and um, I'm dropping a podcast tomorrow where I interviewed Matt Woodford, who's head of sales to Western Europe from Microsoft for Dynamics 365. And it's an interesting um, conversation around, you know, CRM is, de- is CRM is dead, long live CRM is dead. The clue is in the title, right? It's the client relationship management tool. I actually think now it's the collaboration relationship management tool. And I would disagree. I think CRMs have evolved massively from where they were when I was back in my in my recruitment days. But if we, yes, I agree that typically they've been seen as you know the the the, the management tool to to manage the the KPIs. But if you look at, and again, I think if you follow Justin Michael in terms of his latest book, technology um, technology technology powered sales, we only scratch the surface in terms of the capability of what these technology platforms can can do. And if you look at the the outcome what am i trying to achieve what kind of reporting and data do i need to get that report which will help me understand something different about the relationship with this with this organization so i reflect on um back in my law firm days where interaction was a crm system of choice it's a very good crm crm system it does what it's supposed to do and i learned that we could run some reporting which was looking two weeks ahead of client meetings the reason that I wanted to understand that information was to share that report every Monday morning so the lawyers could plan ahead going, oh, Bob, you're going to meet this bank 
Jane also wants to meet that bank. So rather than you go by yourselves, why don't you go together or why don't you help each other in terms of selling a broader, uh, a broader proposition? Now, initially, the lawyers got frustrated with that because they felt it was a management reporting tool. And I'm like, no, this is just to help you sell better and more, more effectively. It's got nothing to do with you've got client meetings or not. You're all complaining that everyone's going to see clients without telling each other. So all you have to do is tick that box in Outlook, which starts to generate this report in the CRM system. And then we're off to the, off to the races. But it's back to that kind of shift in, in thinking and perception around, yes, Historically, that's how CRM systems have been have been used. But if you reset your view on actually forget the technology in its own right and focus on what the data reporting would be helpful for me to drive a more effective sales process over and above things, yes, like you know calls and meetings and all that kind of stuff. It's just the nature of the beast. I get it, right? But then on the reward piece, the reason that that's happened is with the way that people are, are rewarded, right? In terms of short-termism or month-by-month or quarter-by-quarter deals. And historical sales, typically, more volume, more conversations, more stuff is going to, going to convert. That's still true to a certain extent around, yes, you need to be having conversations with people, whatever medium you want to have that conversation with people. But if you look at, you know, what the, the where CRM is now and the supporting technology around it, data, <laughs> insights, collaboration of marketing data, sales data, third party data coming, uh, coming in, be it intent data, psychographic data, whatever you want to call it. LinkedIn talking about buyer first, HubSpot now saying one in three millennial, millennial buyers don't want to talk to a salesperson full stop needs to be led by insight that has to be housed somewhere and that is the CR, that is the, the the crm system to do that to empower the seller to have better more effective sales conversations at whatever stage in the cycle that that is supported by the reporting which then can drive coaching can drive training can can drive mi yes of course in terms of what needs to go up the, the, the food chain. But I, I, I've always been a massive defender of CRM because people go, the technology's crap. It's not, it's a dumb, inanimate piece of technology. It's the people that are using it and maybe the processes that you put in place or what I've seen historically is people have tried to kind of personalize the CRM so much to fit what they want to do that then it becomes just a cumbersome, horrible piece of um. Uh, piece of kit and then people go oh crm's crap because it doesn't do what i want it to do because maybe they weren't um spoken to at the beginning because it was led by it rather than necessarily led by the um the, the business that's a change management change transformation programs right to involve your people so i've always said no it's it's not the crm it how you how are you using it to achieve what you want to to achieve and that for me is where that gap still remains but is now changing because guess what automation is here in respect to whether you agree with automation or not it's here then you start to layer ai on top of that we're starting to move into an, an interesting place so i would disagree with that statement i think crm has evolved massively it's just this perception of what crm was versus what it is and can be today
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to get on to the, um, the way salespeople are remunerated, but you've just made me think of something else in terms of the sales stack. Oh my God. There's so much. Mm-hmm. It's literally, while well, we've got whole departments, the um, sales operations, we're creating jobs for people just to manage these masses of layers of mm-hmm. sales stack. In an era where we, we want alignment between the people and the technology, so we get the best use of, of, of both for our customers, for mm-hmm. the ultimate outcome, how do you reconcile the fact that the, we have this whole industry that's created in order to fill all these little gaps that, that we're just creating more complication and complexity. And a lot of it is unnecessary. And, you know, at the end of the day, a salesperson wants to sell mm-hmm. and we're putting all these blocks in, in, in their way. So how do you reconcile this whole new environment sales operation that's having to manage the sales stack and the complication? Uh, it's a great question. And it's a combination of, um, very good marketing by the organizations that are operating in this space, you know, the sales engagement platforms, for example, um, spurred on by insane amounts of money being pumped into this by the VCs, which then is a self-perpetuating kind of narrative in, 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 within that, uh, that market. And the sales, the sales tech stack is just following what the MarTech stack has done over the last over the last 10 years and it's back to you know why justin justin michael wrote the book with tony hughes is that actually are you getting the best out of, are you getting the the most out of your current technology platform before going to buy another one to layer that band-aid on top of the one that's already you think is is broken because you know, we only use way 10 20 percent of the capability of your smartphone if you truly understood what it could do how immensely powerful that would um uh, that would be so uh, yeah, absolutely. We are creating RevOps, sales enablement, revenue intelligence, all these kind of different roles that are that are coming uh, coming through. So th- th- there is no simple answer. There's views that that market's going to pop at some point. There's some insane overvaluations and around all that. Uh, certainly in the SaaS tech world, there's a narrative now that they're going to run out of people to sell to because they're only actually selling to each other. And if you took a lot of that technology out of SaaS tech and went to manufacturing, consumer, traditional B2B, uh, professional services, they wouldn't, they ne- would never heard of those brands. So it's just within the kind of that niche bubble that it's that this, this is happening. And it may become to a point that actually you start to strip those back or they'll start to be acquired by the sales forces and the Microsofts uh, of, uh, of, the, uh, of the world. Um, or they'll just be just kind of revolution in terms of we're not having it and we're going to kind of go back to uh, go back to basics. But that then is where, you know, automation has its place to free up the seller to do what they should be doing, which is selling. But my instinct tells me that a lot of sellers are relying on automation as that kind of crutch and not picking up the phone or hiding behind email or saying that I've done my numbers from a KPI perspective because that's what you told me to do, just send out more emails and a cadence or make more calls to the wrong people because the data set I've got is not very good. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're interesting times, but it's those organisations that understand this and start to look at the integration play. And I follow Scott Brinker uh, on, on social. He's uh, the chief, I forget, CMO at um, HubSpot. 
And he shared an interesting thing the other day around marketing teams actually complaining that they're buying all this technology with a view to help them become more effective because none of it integrates. They're actually spending more time manually yeah. having to stitch all this, 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 this data together. So, you know, it, it comes back to um, the world is changing. Sales and marketing need to integrate more effectively. You need to have a, a more robust data strategy and then kind of choose your, choose your view. But then this is what Microsoft is, this is what Microsoft's vision is, right? I don't doubt, I don't doubt the sales force are probably the, the same, is that from Microsoft's perspective, you should be able to fundamentally access the information you want from wherever you are in the Microsoft ecosystem. So be it Outlook, be it Teams, be it PowerPoint, be it Dynamics, be it your finance reporting, finance reporting system, that's kind of, be it LinkedIn or Sales, sales Navigator, and organizations that can get their head around that, that allow people to access the information and insight from whatever medium or dashboard window that they want to, will start to, to win. And I guess that's the, the, the challenge in the world that you're talking about, is all those brands are fighting to be that pane of glass, to be that, that entry point so that their brand is front and center, rather than you know, the Microsoft view, and I said, I don't doubt Salesforce are probably doing the same, is actually just be wherever you want to be and just have access to the information wherever you need to access it. I think yeah, there's an advantage being the biggest is that you can acquire what you want and it, you, you're able to create that um, simplicity for your customers because it's, and so you don't need the ops department, you know, yeah. that's managing it. You have the one company that's doing it for you. So it seems the way to go. Okay. We have got to get onto remuneration because I know that you've got some great ideas that you want to share about how we can improve that short termism uh, through the way that we remunerate. Uh, they're not my ideas, it's my learnings from listening and speaking with Marcus Kauke, who does the, the Inquisitor podcast. It's a brilliant, uh, brilliant podcast. And his views, and actually, in fairness, Andrew Huff at the ISP, uh, the Institute of Sales Professionals, which what was the Association of Professional Sales, um, was talking about this on Sunday. So I think Sunday was World Mental Health Day. But you know, Marcus's view is that, and I agree, if you're going to create long-term customer value, reward the seller on creating long-term customer value. So they should get a big chunky commission check for year three renewal, not on <laughs> getting that net new logo and signing on the dotted, you know, signing on the dotted line and then potentially disappearing into the sunset with a big fat commission check. And then customer success have to deal with something that, you know, maybe was sold under duress or sold at a discount, which shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't be done. And I was talking to um, a chap called Jason Cutter last night. He's written a book around um, using empathy, um, Oh, it's not right. What was the word? Um, not empathy. Around how to sell. Yes, empathy through um, through persuasion, through persuasion and selling. And at fundamentally, if you're doing kind of month end, quarter end discounts as a seller, you're mani you're manipulating the client to do something they don't necessarily want to do. So, but that's a big that's a, that's a big challenge for organisations, especially if you're you know you're owned by VC or private money or public money. You got to drive shareholder value that needs to be reported every quarter, right? So the CFO wants their numbers in terms of what's happening every quarter in terms of in terms of pipeline and close one business. That's what what drives that. So again, it's going to take a brave leadership team. And this is a boy. This isn't. This is a CEO CFO com conversation to move to a model which looks at that longer term 
uh, view. And again, you know, this is probably a, a more acute in B2B SaaS tech sales um, than it is any, anywhere else, just because the nature of trying to drive, you know, annual recurring, you know, MRR and, and ARR, all those magic, uh, those magic numbers. But, you know, it, it is a challenge across, across all industries. The flip side is, if you look at the professional service industries, if you're telling, you know, a very successful partner who's earning the best part of a million quid a year to behave differently, <laughs> they're like, well, okay, why? The way I'm doing it, it's working pretty well for me and my team, thank you very much. So I'm not, I'm not going to change. So is, there is no simple answer, but it is that the, the, the short-term commission structure doesn't necessarily drive that long-term client value because the seller is being forced even if they want to is being forced into that short that short-term view because that's how they're rewarded yeah yeah marcus was on on um this podcast i think uh, a couple of weeks ago it, it launched talking about that that um very issue around remuneration um so it's great that you're you're reflecting um that as well and and after all i used to be in financial services that's where i learned uh, all of my um sales traditional sales skills mm-hmm. you know standing up cold calling all of that in the 1990s yeah. and everything and um there commission was very much based on you know you get some up front but you also get some you know every year there's a certain percentage so it's not like this model doesn't exist (laughs) it is out there as you say in in SaaS and certain industries that it's not something that they have adopted this has been around for for a long time and absolutely it's the remuneration that drives behaviors (laughs) So if you but, want to change behaviours, you've got to change the remuneration. You, you do, but there's also, you know, a number of scientific studies out there which prove that money is one of the worst levers to actually get people to, to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, again, reflecting on, you know, some stuff I've done with the ASP, as was now the ISP and Andrew Huff, I reflect on a, you know, um, it was an Oracle sales leader saying that at the Oracle back in the day, they try and incentivize their sellers to sell smaller deals that were higher profitability but everybody would focus on the whale, even if it meant that it wasn't a profitable sale, because that's how everybody was then put up in lights. You sold a you know, million dollar contract, which may actually lose the business money versus you sold you know, 10, $100,000 contracts, but are highly profitable in terms, of what, in terms of what they are. So even trying to incentivize somebody where they could earn more money by selling more profitable deals, the sellers still went for the, because that's what was put up in, you know, we're all we're all egotistical maniacs, right? Salespeople. We like to be um, rewarded and kind of put on that uh, that that pedestal of of, of of this side of things. So, and you know, the other thing we've got to consider is the the next generation of seller coming through. Maybe they're not driven by money. They're driven by other things. They're driven by experience. They're driven by time with the family. They're driven by you know this what this whole pandemic has you know has proven in terms of what 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 is worth. <laughs> kind of living for dare, dare I say it versus what we thought it was way way back when so it's we're in for I think a really fascinating next kind of five years or so within within the sales industry and I'm just super excited to be a part of it to try and help organizations navigate their way through this yeah yeah well um it's interesting that you've you've changed roles slightly and it seems that it's brought together all of your experience and interest so tell us a bit more about that 
Yeah, so I've recently joined um, PA Consulting and, you know, five years of doing your own, almost five years of doing your own thing is, is hard work. Um, as all independents will know, and Janice know that you as well, the last kind of 18 months has been tough. Um, cash flow has been somewhat stressful, not going to lie with, you know, things going up, up and um, up and down. And it was as much me kind of getting to the point where I wanted to learn more, but also starting to kind of realise that, the social selling bit is just one bit of it. And if you look at the narrative that um, Forrester are now starting to talk about, so Seth Mars around dynamic guided selling and the importance of your sales teams and your marketing team starting to integrate, um, how you start to leverage data more effectively, how you start to leverage you know, e-commerce style um, kind of customer experience, uh, technology platforms that support that AI you know, whilst I could talk to that, I couldn't necessarily bring a team around me, which then could deliver that for a, for a client. So, so yeah, so um, I'm a month into my role with PA Consulting, the technology consulting um, business, whose you know MO is sort of bringing ingenuity to uh, to life, and it's around now. I can I have a team of amazingly intelligent people who can kind of bring this entire kind of guided dynamic selling piece to life where social selling is one aspect of that but then it's the whole technology piece the crm play the audit technology stacks um data analytics mi reporting building dashboards that entire piece i can now bring that to bear because my view is if you're looking at social selling as a or digital selling whatever we're going to call it as a step change for how your sales people are going to change the next question is, okay, well, in order to do that, they need more access to data. So are you, how are you integrating with marketing? How are you talking to marketing? People change, skills, reward, all these broader conversations, which I now have access to, to brilliant people and minds that can, that can bring that to bear, but more importantly, can bring that to bear from different industries. So, you know, speaking to some you know, people that sit in the strategy team who help, you know, FMCG clients bring to market brand new products to consumer and can help organizations build strategies around that. So that translates from my perspective neatly into a B2B play. So you can bring that consumer lens to it, but it's in a B2B play to help your go to market in a more, through a more consumer lens, dare I say, than the usual tried and tested. Um, we've always done it this way. So we're just going to do it a little bit, a little bit differently. So yeah, so that's, that's why I chose to join them as um, as a business. It's the, just the next cha next chapter in my my career, building something on that I'm hugely passionate about, which is sales, sales transformation, and all. And it seems to feed into what we were just talking about in how do you align all of the sales stack? Actually, you have a particular outcome that you want the customer to achieve and it's working backwards. OK, well, what is the processes? What are the systems? Mm -hmm. What you know, what is the, the data and information you need to feed all that? And how can yeah. we bring a team to make sure that, you know, that's all working for you? So that's 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 brilliant. All right. So. Alex, if you're on a desert island on your own, what's the one thing you would bring with you? And if anyone follows you over the weekend, <laughs> they're going to know this one. So yeah. tell us. Uh, it's my Big Joe 3, my Komodo Joe uh, ceramic barbecue. 
<laughs> and this thing is a monster. It's big. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's the biggest in, in the range. It's like having um, another oven, but um, yeah, it, I cook on it all year round. Love barbecue, love experimenting with different, you know, different styles of barbecue and, uh, and cooking. So if, you know, if I had to make a, make a choice, it would be, uh, it would be that. Uh, I think that would give you entertainment all day. You could go out and kill whatever you wanted, yeah. forest yeah. for it, and then you you you've got your Big Joe three barbecue to cook it on. Really, exactly. you've got wood, you've got everything. You're completely self-contained. Indeed, just have to le learn how to make fire through a flint and uh, rubbing sticks together, and then we're off to the races. You're good to go. You're good to go. Brilliant. How can listeners get hold of you, Alex? Uh, I'm everywhere, Janice. So LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Insta, TikTok. Um, LinkedIn's probably LinkedIn and Twitter are probably a good a good place to start. If you're on TikTok, go find me on TikTok as well. I'll happily get, go there. But LinkedIn and uh, and Twitter are probably the uh, the two main channels for me. Excellent. Thank you for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast, Alex. My pleasure. Always enjoy talking to you, Janice. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.